Good morning. Mm. What a beautiful time of worship this morning. So uh, as we begin this Advent season and this Advent message, the you know on hope, my 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 mind went to what? Well, what is hope? You know, sometimes we kind of think we know a definition, but just to kind of take a moment, what what is hope? And what's the difference between hope and faith? And I, I really kind of toyed with that in my mind. And uh, so I went to the Webster Dictionary to get a definition for hope. And the definition, according to Webster, is that uh, hope as a noun <clears throat> is a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. So in, in other words, hope, which is another word for desire, and faith, which is belief, are connected. They are connected with each other. They, they play off each other in a uh, symbiotic relationship, one really fueling the other. So let me give you an example. I am hoping to enjoy the delicious crockpot meal that is cooking right now at our home for this afternoon's Grace Group. Uh, see me afterwards if you'd like directions. Uh, that hope is based on faith in the cooking skills of my beautiful wife, and that Dominion Power will continue to supply electricity needed to that crock pot so that when we gather at about 1 p.m. this afternoon, we will be greeted by both an overexcited dog and an overwhelming aroma that will confirm that the meal is ready. The hope, I'm so hungry now, I can barely, this is stop, we'll go eat right now, right? The hope is in the crock pot with the resulting food and fellowship that will happen because of it as a bonus to enjoy. That hope is based on faith in the crock pot and many great meals that we've had from it over the years. Hope is dependent on faith. If I didn't have faith in it or my wife or dominion power, then I shouldn't hope for a delicious meal and fellowship this afternoon. So my outline for today is simple, is very simple. Number one, God is the God of hope. A hope that is fulfilled in Christ. God is the God of hope. Number two, filled with hope. We are filled with help. How are we filled with hope? If God is the God of hope, how do we get that hope? How are we filled with that hope? And finally, number three, power to hope. What, what is the role that the Holy Spirit plays in this Trinitarian gift of hope? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to gather in this, in this uh, time. We thank you for each person that has said, hey, I'm, I, I want to give this time to the Lord. I want to go. I want to worship. I want to be with God's people. Lord, it blesses my heart and blesses our, all of our time and fellowship. And so Lord, we pray that you would open your word. As Jesus said, let him who has ears hear, let him who see, has eyes see. And we pray, God, that you would do that. You would open your word to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So God of hope, number one, God of hope. Turn with me to our text this morning, which um, Irvin just read, very short. But Romans 15, 13, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You see, the book of Romans, which was written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is a treasure chest, as my friend Juan would say, of theological, um, biblical theology. It covers every topic you can imagine. Creation, justification, sanctification, salvation, Christian living, all of these covers. It's a great, a great book to go to. But the book was written to the church in Rome that was made up of both Jews and non-Jews. And sometimes you'll hear that terminology, Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Greeks. There was this division between those, th this group of people. Basically, you, for the Jewish people, you're either Jewish or you weren't. And anybody that was not Jews, Jewish were Gentiles, Greeks, or you'll hear circumcision and non-circumcision. So that's the separation. And you've got to remember, too, that the Jews and the Gentiles generationally hated each other, as we, still be, as we still see being played out today in the Israeli and Palestinian war. Please continue to pray for that situation. Throughout the book, you can see Paul admonishing Christian believers from both these groups to put aside their deep-seated cultural animosity that they have for each other because Christ's atoning work on the cross that has eliminated every division that can ever be made. This is a theme not only found in the book of Romans, but elsewhere, as we see here in Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, they had the same struggles. So listen to what Paul said to the church in Galatia, Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither, there's no male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You see, our passage today then is not a simple random blessing but it is a repeated call for the hope that there would be unity. And this unity would manifest itself in joy and peace. And that the power to make this happen is based on the promises of God from ages past and when God made his initial promise to Abraham. And we can be seen throughout scripture ever since. So before we look at verse 13 any closer, let's jump back to verse 8, where, we'll see Paul, where we will see Paul's call for unity between the Jews and the Gentiles, and at least quoted four times. Paul will four times will quote from the Old Testament about this call for unity. So verses 8 and 9 is where we see Paul specifically saying, you know, calling for unity among these two groups. Verse 8, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. The patriarchs are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in verse 8, Paul is very clearly saying that Christ came to be a servant to the circumcised. He came to serve and to fulfill God's promise that he gave to the patriarchs. And in verse 9, he includes the Gentiles in this promise and says in verse 9, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. 
So both groups are connected. Both groups are given this promise. And then Paul goes on and lists four different defenses. So not just once, not twice, but four times that Paul gives this defense. And so we see here um, uh, in the last part of verse 9, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. This passage comes from 2 Samuel 22.50, where David is, um, is, is, saying this verse at, is saying this right after being chased by Saul. And then we see in verse 10, and again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And that passage comes from Deuteronomy 32.43, in the time of Moses and Joshua. And then verse 11, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And this comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 117, verse 1. The author is unknown in that one. And then finally, in Isaiah, verse 11, uh, 10 of Isaiah, it says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles will hope. So we see in these four passages, two of them are from the historical books of the, of the Bible. One is from the poetic book of the Bible, and the last one is from the prophetic book of the Bible. In other words, God, when God is saying this, when we read these verses, this is his plan. This isn't something that's just kind of dreamed up or thought. This is, some, this is God's plan that we would be united. And we see part of his plan is the root of Jesse. And the root of Jesse is another word, is another phrase for Christ, because Christ comes from the lineage of Jesse. But not only since he's before Jesse, he is the root of Jesse. He is before Jesse, and he comes from Jesse. And he will rise to rule the Gentiles. In him will all the Gentiles hope. Four different authors at four different times, living in the midst of the Jew-Gentile division. We see this, the hope of the Jews, and specifically as seen here of the Gentiles, is what? Is Christ. Is Christ as planned by God and as prophesied in these passages. Christ served the Jews by fulfilling God's promise to Abraham and the Gentile believers. And remember when Mark preached just a couple of weeks ago about Jesus cleansing the temple, there were Gentile believers They were the, because the tables and stuff were in the Gentile area of the temple. So the Gentiles are included in this promise. Both could put their hope in Christ because of their faith in God. Hope and faith for both Jews and Gentiles, is found in Christ. Here's how John Piper speaks of the connection between hope and faith that I found really helpful. Hope is faith in the future tense. Think about that. Hope is faith in the future tense. And everything that can be said about hope biblically can be said about faith. But faith is more than hope because it involves trust in a person. You see, God is the God of hope, and that hope is found in our trust in him. His promises and his fulfillment of these promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Promises that you and I now have in Christ 
our Emmanuel, who became God with us, who, who, yeah, and whose sacrifice clothes all those who have believed and have put their faith and trust in him, allowing us to stand firm in the hope that he gave them then and the future hope that he gives us now. This is why we can say Christ is their hope. Christ is our hope, looking back, and for us now, looking forward. Okay, so how are we filled with this hope? If God is the God of hope, how are we, how are we filled with this hope? Let's look back at verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The fruit of hope is joy and peace. They are the outcome of the hope we have. In our Advent series, Mark and Steve will be sharing on joy and peace during the next few weeks. Then Nate will finish the series with love on Christmas Eve morning. So I'm going to let them elaborate on those a little later, but use our time now to focus on how we are filled with joy and peace. Don't we all want to be filled with joy and peace? Amen. So simply stated, how can we be filled with joy and peace? Two words, in believing. Again, our hope is connected to our faith. Future delicious crockpot lunches are rooted in previous ones. The enjoyment of a feast and fellowship are the results, like joy and peace, of what I hope to happen when the table is set later today. Likewise, our hope rests in the faith that God gives us when we trust him as Lord of our lives. Our hope in him comes from believing in him. When Mark asked me to preach on hope a couple of weeks ago, I I looked at several passages, and as I settled on this one, I did it because of these two words, in believing, because how they tie into our current sermon series in the book of John. In the years past, I've read through the book of John, circling every time I saw that word believe, or belief, or believed, or believes, or believing, right, any form, and I counted it up at least 86 times. 86 times. Why is that? Why is the, the, um, the Apostle John so bent on helping us understand why is belief such a key word to him? Well, remember, the goal of the Gospel of John, as we say just about every week in the sermon series, is that these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The Apostle John's plead with you and I to believe in Christ comes from the simple fisherman who had a tangible, hands-on, face-to-face, factual relationship with the Christ, and it changed his life forever. For John, you knowing of Christ isn't enough. You must believe. You must have faith in Christ's sinless life, his sacrifice, and his death-defying resurrection. That belief is the life and heart-transforming faith 
that fuels the hope that you will need in this dark world where God has called us to shine. This is why we celebrate Advent. Advent, as Mark has already said, simply means the arrival of an important person or event. Like the advent of the phone of yesterday and the smartphone of today that, we have, that has ushered in a new era and is changing the world. Christ's first coming, or his first advent, dealt directly with our sin and our separation from God. God dealt with this not by demanding we pay him for our rebellion, but inconceivably by him paying for it, by sending Christ to live a sinless life and die a sacrificial death that would take our sins away. Having paid for our sins with his own life, the next time Christ comes, his second advent will be to take what he bought home. With that in mind, our mission as a church is to glorify God by making disciples who enjoy, embody, and and extend the grace of Christ to everyone, everywhere. This happens as we, in faith, personally enjoy the grace God has given us. Letting that grace transform our hearts and lives as we share that grace with others. Because our hope is in Christ's second advent, when he comes to take us home. I found that my hope and my faith in him is easy when life is easy and is stretched when life is hard. I've had several seasons of stretching. Maybe you're going through one of those seasons right now. Seasons that words like this of being filled with joy and peace ring hollow or only for the lucky ones. Can we speak heart to heart for just a minute? One struggler to the next. Before stepping away from God, try stepping nearer. Try stepping closer. Instead of searching for self-help, look for gospel help. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are safe here. You, your questions, your hurt, your pain, your doubts are welcome here. Whether it's me or another elder or someone in the pew next to you right now, you are family here. Let's talk about the struggle. Let's talk about this season of struggle. Let's do it this week because we all need power to hope. Power to hope. Where does our, where does the power to hope come from? 
Yes, hope and faith are connected, but what powers them? Let's look back at our verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Where does the power come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. In the act of believing, the God of hope says that he will give us power by the Holy Spirit to abound in hope. Again, it's easy to abound when life is going well, but what about when it's not? Please remember who wrote Romans 15, 13. The Apostle Paul. And while I'm sure he experienced abounding times, he certainly had his share of difficult times. As he writes to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 26. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. <laughs> One of those beatings that he might be talking about here is what we read about in Acts 16, where he and Silas were beaten and thrown into a jail and spent the night doing what? Singing. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Singing. Now, now, I don't know what was going through his mind at that time, but the joy to sing while being chained in a prison cell certainly sounds like Holy Spirit-powered hope. Amen? Amen. You may be thinking, sure, that's superhero, superhero of faith. That's who Paul was, but what about me? Again, I don't know where you are in your life. But I do know that the Holy Spirit is given to each believer. And the promise of this verse is that as we put our faith and our hope in God, the God of hope, he will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, fill us with joy and peace. Did Paul have joy and peace the first time, five times he was beaten? Maybe, maybe not. And maybe the abounding speaking of here, is spoken of here, is not the overflowing gushiness of someone who has witnessed hope fulfilled, but maybe it's the steady, quiet, steady, abundant supply of hope when things are not going the way we had hoped for. The hope that keeps us trusting when all hope seems lost, because hope without faith is at best a wish. In conclusion, I hope that you've seen that God is the God of hope, that that hope was fulfilled in Christ, and not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, 
not to just the lucky ones, but to you and to me. God is the God of hope. I hope that you've seen that we, how we are filled with hope, that the fruit of being filled with a hope is joy and peace. But being filled by hope comes by faith and trust in a good God, even when life is tough. And I hope today that you know where we get the power to hope. It's not some kind of self-generated, motivational speaker, bumper sticker theology, but the power we get to hope comes from the God of hope as we believe in him. And if life is tough, I, I want to I walk that toughness with you. And that's what church is. It's where we walk those things together. So please, don't struggle alone today. Struggle, walk hand in hand with your brothers and sisters in Christ. My prayer for you this Advent season, then, is this. Three things. Number one, see afresh that God is the God of hope. That the hope for saints of the past is the hope for the saints of today. And that the price for the privilege of being a saint, which is what we are called, has been paid by Christ at his first coming and will be fully realized at his second coming. Number two, that you will see how hope and faith are connected. Without faith, hope is at best wishful, genie-in-the-bottle, lottery thinking. If you have not put your faith in Christ, believing he is who he said he is, do that today. What is holding you back? If you've not put your faith in Christ, what have you put your faith in? What is the foundation of your hopes? Is that foundation able to bear the weight of your hopes? Finally, I hope that you recognize the power God has given you by his Holy Spirit to be filled with joy and peace. Ask God to empower you this season to experience Christmas in a new way as you express it to others, hoping that it will fill you both, you and them, with joy and peace that brings glory to God, your hope giver. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God of hope and not just wishful thinking. That we can come to you and we can see that from eternity past to eternity in the future, you have a plan. And it's that both Jews and Gentiles, all men, all women, slave or free, male or female, that we would not continue to divide ourselves, but we would be unified in you. So, Lord, we thank you and we bless you. Now equip us to go and be hope displayers to the world that desperately needs us to shine that light to them. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.